Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Live, laugh, Leafs does the Stanley Cup final. Of course, the Leafs are not involved, but we got two great teams of the Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. What we have after game one is another series lead for the Dallas Stars, who won 4-1 to one in game one. Mike, I don't even remember how do we do these post games anymore. It's been so long. It's been about six months, maybe six and a half months. Do we start with a takeaway? Where, where do we go here when we are actually doing post-game recaps like we were always supposed to do? I can't remember. It's been so long since we've done our initial format. Like this was, this was you know, uh, conceived as a post-game podcast, and now this is the first time we've done it in, in so long. Um, yeah, I think, I think we usually would start with an initial takeaway, but I'm, I'm buzzing. We finally, we're, it's here late at night. We finally get to have the fresh reactions to these. It's great. I guess I'm forgetting about the five games the Leafs actually played in the playoffs and we had these post games, but it was, you know, my head wasn't in it. I was getting kicked out of arenas. Like it just wasn't right for me. Oh yeah. You were like, you, you had to have one eye out for security coming up to get you. You were, you know, basically doing it on the fly. So this is a lot more in a controlled environment. You're uh, are you you're you're at home? I'm assuming right now. You got oh, some yeah. you got some cactuses in the background. Every it's a it's a nice. No one's gonna kick you out. At least uh, no one you know wearing a mask. Uh, it 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 sounds good. It's possible I get kicked out, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, let's let's get right into it. Takeaways. What? What's your takeaway from game one? This. Uh, what Tampa team was this that we just saw? That's not the Tampa team that we've seen. You know, throughout throughout not even just throughout these playoffs, but throughout the last two three four years like this is they they looked just downright toothless and I know we're going to get into it but like they got they outshot Dallas 36 to 20 so it would seem pretty lopsided but it just never seemed like they were at all like the one goal they scored was a fluke and in terms of actual concentrated chances I wasn't seeing it from there this is they're, they're clearly a banged up team they're clearly a team that is that is you know they, they clearly were the team that didn't get the four days of rest and it really showed I was really surprised by just how, how kind of scatterbrained they were. Why is this so predictable, though? Like, I, I thought Dallas was going to win this game. I thought this was the best spot for them, uh, at least in this series. Like, I think they have a great chance of winning the series. I actually picked them to win the series. But this game won because they had the rest and because Tampa Bay was, you know, still on that cadence of playing every other night. It seemed like Dallas had the advantage here, and I think that's how it played out. But why is a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning who's been playing every other night for the last two months why are they at such a disadvantage when Dallas has that little extra rest? Does that make that much of a difference? Because it actually seemed to make that much of a difference. Tonight. I think at this point it does. And I mean, Dallas, they, they kind of just steamrolled the, uh, they steamrolled Vegas. Like they really, it didn't take a ton out of them. Whereas Tampa, like you play a team, like, first of all, it went to overtime a lot in, in the Tampa series as well. Like we said, 
on last box. They played about 10 extra, not about, they played 10 extra periods kind of, um, of hockey compared to, uh, compared to, you know, most other teams, but New York, like the, the Islanders and credit to them, they just grind you down. Like they, they are a team that, that mentally sort of just completely exhausts you physically exhausts you. They, they always have a stick in the way. They always, have an extra check everyone's finishing their checks all that kind of stuff i think i think really that it was just a slog in the last series it, it although it was only six games and and compared to dallas's five dallas did get that four days of extra rest and when it when you get to this point when the games are become are blurring together like this when it becomes truly a grind uh that those four days matter dallas was able to like they didn't have to travel obviously so that's that's good you take that out of the equation for both teams but Dallas they didn't even have to travel initially to get into the bubble where they're playing right now. They were able to relax, they were able to do some video, kind of regroup, um, and also get over the fact that they just won a hotly contested series in which they were the the underdogs. Like Tampa, yes, they were they were able to they were able to 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 you know dispatch the Islanders, but then they had to get immediately over that in a day. And uh, like it it's just it, it, I don't know. It, it, I really do think that this mattered to them. It's interesting because Tampa Bay actually played two fewer games than Dallas in these playoffs coming mm -hmm. in because they had gotten rid of Columbus and Boston so quickly. But I guess they had a little bit of waiting around to do. They waited for the Islanders to get through and to play their first game in Edmonton after they traveled. And despite only needing one more game to get by the Islanders that Dallas needed to get by, by Vegas, uh, they'd actually played fewer games, but they got, you know, far fewer rest they got about half the rest or not even half the rest because Dallas was waiting on them and watched that game and really Tampa Bay's played every other night other every other night on that same cadence uh since they've got into the Edmonton bubble it seems and they're going to get into a back-to-back -back later on in the series which is ridiculous. um but which is ridiculous uh, obviously but I mean you got to stay away from the NFL you got to stay away from the NFL um but Tampa Bay it, it seems this is another example to me of like everything just falling into place for Dallas. Yeah. Like every, at every turn since Joe Pavelski scored that goal in like, with like 12 seconds left to get the Calgary flames, they were about to fall down three to one in that series against Calgary. And ever since that moment, every time something could go Dallas's way, it seems it has gone Dallas's way. Like, you know, Frank, Franco's having to be in net Hutchinson, Hutchinson. coming in net in, in Colorado. Uh, all, all, the, all the times in which Vegas was just hemming them in their zone and they were able to survive all of it, it seems that everything has just gone their way. And this is another example of it because they got through Vegas and they earned that for, for, for sure. They earned the fact that they, they, they got some rest and that they only needed five games to beat Vegas. But the fact that has been so much, so far superior than them in these playoffs in terms of you know just the just the basics goal differential like anything you any way you want to look at it Tampa Bay's been the superior team but just because they needed one extra game even though they played two fewer and they got this huge advantage to get up in another series and we've seen what they've done with two series leads against both Colorado and Vegas they just have the ability to protect these leads they showed that again in the third period tonight in the game and they were able to do it uh, across prolonged stretches as well. So this is another huge advantage for Dallas. Of course they earned it, but it seems like it's another thing that's just going their way. Absolutely. They have all the makings of like the, of a team that just seems to, to just seems to be on the path to a cup. They're having these, these guys come out of nowhere and score these pivotal goals. Joel Hanley, for example, another Joel, like the ridiculous that they have. The lesser, two the lesser Yoel. 
he's not even like he, exactly he's not even he's not even the best unsung hero named Joel in that locker room it's crazy and he comes out and he's one of he scores his first he's 29 by the way he scores his first ever NHL goal in game one of the Stanley Cup final fill from the scoring and also he's one of only five defensemen to ever score their first NHL goal in the Stanley Cup final in history it's incredible and then Kevin Ranta again scores and this is a guy who wasn't even, who wasn't on anyone's radars moving into this into the bubble into the playoffs and now he's not only just in the lineup, he's booted the guy who had the Ironman streak to do it. And he's, he's logging power play minutes and he's scoring. A, like, he's, he's the new Fernando Pisani. Like, it's like for, I tweeted that during the game. And, and, you know, for an old Edmonton fan like you, you would know that too well. Like, it's, and then Anton Kudobin, like, is there, is there any more of like a, I don't know, I don't want to say like a Rudy kind of guy because he's a lot better than Rudy. But, I mean, just like the, a guy you can rally around, a 34-year-old and kind of career backup, looks like, you know, if Tim Thomas lived in the wilderness for, you know, thir- like 15 years. And he, the guy, he, lo- he always looks, he looks permanently damp because he's just always sweating and always, you know, like looks like he's just, you know, pounded 15 beers or something like that. And yet he's standing on his head. He's shutting down. He shut down probably the two cup favorites on, on route to this, to the Stanley Cup final. And now he's and, and now he's just shut down Tampa, maybe the most offensively lethal team that was in this bubble. It's incredible. Like they have these, they have just everything that a a narrative towards winning a cup would want. And even and even then with Rick Bonus, the old grizzled coach who finally got his one last kick at the can, even at, at you know, in, in rough circumstances, but pulled his ragtag group of of, of uh, players together. Like it's they man, like the numbers might say one thing and 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 Yes, like Tampa outshot them and it was crazy, but man, Dallas, like they have that cup swagger right now. I, they're yeah. they're uh, they don't hand out DVDs, I guess anymore. If whenever teams win cups, because DVDs don't really exist. But man, they're they're uh, uh, I guess Netflix special or whatever you want to call it. If they win the cup, is going to be pretty glorious. Just as a quick aside, I I feel like Tim Thomas does live in the wilderness yeah. now. Don't you think? Don't you think that makes perfect sense that he lives in the wilderness? Yeah, anyway. I, I think he does. I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't see Tim Thomas living in a place with running water. That's, where I, that's all I got to <laughs> yes, say. That's, that's the best way to put it. Uh, but you're right about the two Joels, Yoel Hanley and Joel Kivaranta. I, I think it's just better that way. Um, but they're two guys. It's just like the depth of scoring for them has just been there because the scoring hasn't been there from the top of the lineup with yeah. the exception of, I, I guess, ben. some moments from Alexander Radulov, some moments for Jamie Ben, but a guy like Tyler Sagan, who I don't remember the last time he had scored, it doesn't really matter because they just seem to get it from wherever they're going to get it. I mean, the two, three guys that actually scored on Vasilevsky tonight had a combined four goals in the regular season. That's like, insane. it's crazy. That's crazy. They, they, they almost matched their output, three guys uh, combined, in game one of the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, it is all about Dallas, I guess, to a certain degree in this game. But there were some mistakes from Tampa. And I think we should probably talk a little bit about their undisciplined yes. play. I mean, the fact that Zach Bogosian uh, went for retribution on Kivarenta, who, who else, uh, after he buried Jer- uh, Braden Point in the corner, that directly led to the first goal. And, I mean, that's the only reason a guy like Joel Hanley is going to be creeping into the high slot and mm-hmm. burying one, because there had to be a breakdown, right? And and Tampa, throughout these playoffs, has avoided the breakdowns. I mean, the, the most – the quote that I remember the most from John Cooper – is the fact after he was talking about the fifth overtime win over Columbus in game one, he said, do not take a chance if it's going to take anything away from your defensive aspect of the game. 
And that just seems like the biggest difference for Tampa Bay in these playoffs is that they've learned to play such – I guess they've learned to play postseason defense in these playoffs after the, the, you know, the way they've wanted to play and the, play, the way they play in the regular season has been their undoing in previous postseasons. Uh, but tonight, for maybe the first time in the entire playoffs, they seem to get away from that a little bit. Maybe it's the fatigue. Maybe it's the new oppo- opponent. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but they seem to get away from what's made them so successful. It's made them chase a game, and we haven't seen them chase many games in these playoffs. Uh, but for some reason, um, they, they, they didn't show it against Dallas. And that makes sense for Dallas because Dallas seemed to just be getting all the little breaks along the way. And Tampa not having its game in game one was just a, one more of those. Yeah, this is where I think fatigue plays a huge factor. Like when, when you get tired, when you're in the middle of and, and we have to even take into account that the fatigue, the mental fatigue is heightened by the bubble aspect. You can clearly tell these guys just want to go home at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And when, when, you get, when you hit that level of fatigue, when you hit that level of just exhaustion um, that Tampa has clearly been, whereas, or clearly been hitting, whereas uh, Dallas, they have the four days to kind of rest, relax, recharge mentally and physically, things just start, like, things just start to kind of fall apart. You let, you let sort of loose, uh, loose threads kind of fly everywhere. For, like, the Bogosian is, I think when he, when he come, they just played, first of all, Tampa just played one of the most structured, if not the most structured team in the NHL. And they were able to beat them pretty much at their own game. Mm-hmm. A guy like Bogosian going for retribution on, on a hit that early in the first period to leave that much space. I mean, there was a reporter who asked Joe Hanley, you know, were you worried that you had too much time in the slot after the game? Like it was, it was that wide open for his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maroon as well, you know, it, it's, it's an icing or something. And he goes and he's just annoyed and he shoots the puck into, or at the end of the period, and he shoots the puck into the bench. Like these are just little, little things that they, they build up um the just the fatigue build up eventually and and you kind of don't have that self-control when you're so tired you're just focused on one thing and and you know you might fire a puck into a bench or you or you might kind of let the lizard brain take over for a second and go and go oh i gotta i gotta hit the guy who just hit my teammate and you you lose you lose the details you lose the attention to details and the attention to structure that this team had been so successful with like it this is why Dallas had that rest factor. They were able to not only mentally or not only physically recharge, but mentally do it. They were able to move on from the last series. They were able to, to go in the video room and really kind of lock down what they had, whereas Tampa was kind of rushed to do everything. Tampa was rushed to, to regroup, rushed to move on from the battle that they just had with a team that is, that is designed to wear you out. So that is really where it came down to. Like This was a remarkably undisciplined game from a team that has essentially made their brand moving, moving forward in the playoffs here as a very disciplined and structured team. And John Cooper is being a very vocal person about how much, you know, you need to buy into the, that aspect of, of team play. And it, they just didn't have it tonight. And they, clear, they clearly, un, uh, you know, just unraveled. I think that Maroon play in particular showed like an unnecessary weakness on his front. I mean, yeah. this is a player, the last time Dallas saw Patrick Maroon in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he was scoring the game seven overtime winner in the semifinal last season. Like this yeah. is a guy that could be a little more than what he is against Dallas because, you know, he authored one of the a crushing moments in their recent history that they've all probably been thinking about for more than a year now, because that was the site of their last failure. And then Maroon doing that just sort of diminishes him a little bit. Like it's him even going after, I think it was, he was going after Jamie Alexiak early and like, that's obviously what he's supposed to do. But it looked like he was trying too hard to be a factor in this yes. game. And that was just a Bush League move that just made him sit on the bench and sulk 
or sit in the penalty box and sulk for the next 10 minutes. I thought it was just completely unnecessary for him. That's not the way you assert yourself in a series. I think he failed in his efforts today. And, and he's a guy that, you know, should have been able to be a little bit more than that because he can flaunt the fact that he had that moment over Dallas last year and that he's going to do it again. Instead, he's doing stupid things like shooting the puck in the bench. Yeah, Patrick Maroon is built for this moment. Like, he, that's, that's where he makes his money is, is in the playoffs. He's supposed to be that kind of guy. And he's supposed to do that. He's supposed to be, be the sort of big rig figure that he is without crossing that line like, as much as maybe other Orion Reeves would, for example. And yet here he is. He's looking like a guy who's never been in this moment before. Like that is a move of someone who is, who doesn't, who is shrinking under the lights, who isn't used to this kind of pressure, whereas he's specifically used to that kind of pressure. And he conquered that kind of pressure last year against this team. He should have the mental advantage here. He should be the kind of guy who should be skating by the bench and pointing to his ring finger. You know, something mm-hmm. like exactly, 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 like something like Brad Marchand would do, where you know, when when he faced off against the Canucks in the regular season after the Bruins won that cup, and I think 2011 or was it 2011, 2012, something like that, he raised an, a, an imaginary Stanley Cup in front of their bench, stuff like that. Like Maroon should be should have that swagger. Ryan Reeves, he hasn't won a cup, and yet he's he was walking around like he owned the place. And yeah. you know, a guy like Patrick Maroon having just kind of a it's such a like you said, bushly, but it's like a cowardly move to just fire a puck into the bench. Like, it, it's laughable. Really, like, if you're the other team, you just laugh it off. It's like, just stupid. fight someone then. It, like, it's, like, it'll be half the penalty, and at least you'll be able to punch somebody. Like, it's like, what, what, what did that serve? What purpose did that serve? What, what possibly – you weren't going to hurt someone by doing that. It's not going to hit anyone. Even if it did, it probably would have just bounced off them. Like, it, 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 it just – these are these little mistakes that I they think at the end of the day fatigue plays into. You lose sight of the moment you kind of let that red mist take over whereas normally you'd have the energy to hold it back include and we saw that twice with these with um we saw that twice with tampa players and it and it clearly hurt them well it's possible he's not clever enough to think of pointing to his ring finger because i didn't think about that at all but i think that was that's the perfect uh, like you know snapshot of his power in the series or what or how he could use his power in that and he gave it up because you know exactly he i mean i don't think he ever thought of it and he's probably, you know, he's not Ryan Reeves, but we at had the same that time, it's, it's the same time, that's what he could have done. And instead he did something mm-hmm. that would just, I think, make the Dallas Stars sort of laugh and, and move on and not think much of Patrick Maroon, really, in the series moving forward. Uh, you did mention the shots at the top of it. I yeah. mean, it obviously didn't feel like that. I mean, for the first two didn't periods, while for the first two periods were really dominated by Dallas. They didn't mm-hmm. have, they didn't quite have like massive shot totals, but the scoring chances were there. They were really getting a lot of high, high danger looks. And I think they were earning it through both mistakes from Tampa, uh, earning it through forecheck uh, and, and just doing everything they could to kind of set up those moments and really put the pressure on Vasilevsky early. Uh, but scoring effects obviously took over with Kivaranta scoring that three, one goal and sort of changing the dynamics of the game. Obviously the lightning had to really put the, put their foot down and go for it in the third period. And they did, they sent a lot of rubber at Anton Kadobin. but again, he didn't give up anything in the third period, despite being under siege. And uh, I mean, for me, uh, Miro Heiskanen has obviously been great, but I think Anton Kadobin has taken over in the last, I guess, five, six, seven, eight games as the, for my money, obvious Conn Smythe trophy leader. Uh, would you agree with me on that? Man, it's tough. It's tough to discount someone who's literally making history from, at least from an offensive standpoint in, in high school. And like his point totals are mind boggling, but I mean, this is a very narrative based award. How can you not give it to Kudobin at this point? The guy is the guy standing on his head. He is the backbone of this team. This team plays 
they they you can see like they they play different when they have him in net. He's they believe in him. I've I've you, you see every year you know if if a guy comes out the team kind of rallies around their goalie and Kudobin just his we're not going home line you know when he when he got the I guess the necklace or whatever like Kiviranta you know repeated that like it's yeah he this he he has to he's the he's their X factor right now like if he's on he can take them wherever he can take them wherever he wants them to go if he's off. I think this Dallas team crumbles against against a, a team like Tampa with the firepower that they have, even missing a guy like Stamkos. Which, by the way, like that could change this series. If Stamkos comes back in, he's ruled out for game one, but he's skating and he's looking like he might be able to return. That can completely sway, change the the tides of the series. But that's an aside. Like Anton Kudobin, absolutely. I think he he's got to be their their leader. Although when you're when you're going down the list the fact that Dallas has so many of these guys you can go oh maybe that guy's in the conversation that speaks pretty well to them too yeah i think we should do sort of a consmite check in after every game just yeah. because we're going to be doing every game or every we're going to be talking about every game in this series obviously and it could bounce back and forth between Tampa and Dallas but for me it, it's it's Anton Kudobin uh, Miro Heiskanen had one assist so his production has slowed down one assist in that Vegas uh, Vegas series, obviously five games, did get an assist in tonight's game. So the points, uh, you know, they've slowed down a touch, mm-hmm. but you're right, he's still on a historical level. So maybe it's a little bit of recency it's bias. Tough. But I think I think the guy who has been most critical in the, you know, these most critical moments, mm-hmm. which is the Western Conference final and obviously game one of the Stanley Cup final, uh, Anton Kudobin has been the largest figure for them. Obviously that can change. It can go towards Tampa. It could go towards Heiskanen. Uh, but I feel like a nose out front for Anton Kudobin. Yeah, I think I think absolutely. So what else do we got here? I mean, is there anything else that we missed in this game uh, that we need to get to? Uh, we mentioned Tyler Sagan a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got robbed by Vasilevsky. He should have had a goal. Like the, he, was... I think there was one ring off the post, and he was right there, and, and Vasilevsky made probably the best save of the game, definitely his best, uh, ga- uh, best save of the series uh, right there. That probably would have been a huge moment for Sagan, who, you know, if he gets one, maybe they come in bunches after that, and then, you know, Dallas might be unstoppable if Tyler Sagan gets going right now. Uh, but I feel like we've mostly covered it off. Well, what's different with Sagan here is like, cause you know, he's been snake bitten in a cup final before. Like it, I remember, you know, in that, uh, in that 2011 cup final, he was shooting like 1% and he led the he led the Bruins in shots. And yet he, this is back when he was like 22 or 21 or something. He led yeah, the Bruins yeah. in shots. And yet he only had like one or two goals in the entire playoffs. He's shooting 1% and they traded him after that to Dallas because of that um and but he was he was clearly dangerous and everyone kind of knew okay he's clearly snake bitten here it's ridiculous I haven't seen him other than this game where she had you know that grade a chance and a couple of one-timers in the games prior I haven't seen him pushing it a lot I haven't seen him wiring pucks at the net I haven't seen him being in the middle of it going you know going hard to the net anything like that I haven't seen him be as you know hungry as maybe you know he was in in uh in years past it this is a different kind of snake bitten Tyler Sagan and look it they're 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 performing as well as they are right now without production from you know maybe one of their one of their best players if not their best player um but yeah it's just i don't know they, they if they get hit if they get him going i think it's pretty much lights out like it, like in the way that tampa is right now they have an ability to really take advantage of a beat up team and if they get tyler sagan firing on all cylinders watch out yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he was better tonight than he's been, at least in the last, you know, 
five to 10 games where I've been watching a little bit more closely. I guess there were, were some points early on, but uh, no, he hasn't, he hasn't been that same offensive force. Obviously his, his powers have diminished a little bit over the last few years when he was, you know, right at the very top of league scoring uh, for a couple seasons. But uh, you know, if he is right, you're right. If he gets going then, and, and they keep getting contributions from all over the lineup, uh, I just don't know how Tampa Bay stops them because uh, obviously the Dallas Stars are just at the at the point where confidence is sky high. Uh, we did see them get off to a one nothing lead against Vegas, and then Vegas was able to immediately respond. Mm-hmm. So I think we should preview game two a little bit. We don't really know. Uh, I mean, it's hard to preview because we just saw what we saw, and mm-hmm. you know, momentum carries over, whatever. We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but we do know that Tampa Bay should at least have a feel of what Dallas has is, is, is brought them, and obviously Dallas has a feel as uh, – Tampa Bay as well uh we don't know about Steven Stamkos I guess there was a bit of a you know a bit of a tease that you know he's out for game one but maybe we'll see about game two uh I I don't really think we're going to see that I think that's probably just a little gamesmanship on their part uh but we've seen Tampa rebound before we haven't seen them trail in a series but we've seen them rebound from tough losses uh that huge performance against Boston I believe was in game three where they blew the doors off uh the Boston Bruins and really set the tone for the rest of the series so I'm expecting a response from Tampa Bay now that they've have been able to, you know, feel at the waters a little bit and, and, you know, get on the same, I guess, fatigue level as Dallas now that both teams are going to be playing, you know, 48 hours after their last game. Yeah, it's, it really is going to come down to Tampa just playing into their structure. It's Tampa not taking, not taking these dumb risks that they were this game. Like, Bogosian, like, he's been, he's been one of the, you know, pleasant surprises of the playoffs so far in that he's been a very reliable defensive, defensive player on the back end. You can't be making plays like that. You can't be sacrificing the entire front of the net just to, you know, get in a chip at a guy who hit a player in a playoff game. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Tampa, like, Tampa's the better team, I think, than Dallas. Like, it, not even just on paper, but I think they, throughout their lineup, they have the bigger guns. They have the, the better depth. They should be able to beat this team. And uh, I think that you just play into who you are. They, they, yes, score effects took over the game later, but they just weren't pushing as much as, they, as much as a team like Tampa should. They had a million power play opportunities, and they didn't take advantage of any of them. They look, they, they look toothless. This is a weird game from Tampa's perspective. I think they need to remember who they are. I think they need to get over this mental hurdle of the exhaustion of the, the previous round, and I think they need to start feeling themselves again because – Right now, they, they really aren't. They didn't look like a team that had that confidence, that had that, you know, we're the lightning and we, you know, we've made it this far and we've conquered all these teams and we, we are the cup favorite. They didn't have that kind of swagger to them um, that was missing, that they had in, in all these other rounds. You never, we never really expected the Islanders to win that series. We expected Tampa to, it was just a matter of when Tampa was going to beat them rather than if. And that was because of the way that not only the Islanders were looking, but the way that Tampa carried themselves. In this game, they didn't carry themselves that way. They looked like a team that wasn't ready for the moment. And Dallas, who hasn't been in this moment forever, they haven't been in this moment for longer than, than the, the Lightning have, they looked like they were ready for the moment. So it, it really, I think Tampa is a team that rebounds heavily. Like they, they really want to, you know, John Cooper, you can tell he's going to go in there with a pretty impassioned speech. I think they're going to come out with their best effort of the playoffs yet in, in, uh, in game two. Whether or not they can sustain that is a different factor, but I think game two is going to be a big rebound performance by Tampa. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm probably expecting them to come out, you know, pretty hot in game two. It, it might not be, you know, Oh, it might not translate to a win. Anton Kadobin could basically thwart anything that they do uh, from an offensive perspective in game two. But I think the biggest thing or the best, uh, the, maybe the most encouraging thing for them, I guess I'm trying to say, is that uh, they didn't look like a team that was that had limped into the Stanley Cup final. They looked like a team that was, you know, fatigued and not really there. Because I think my biggest concern for the Tampa Bay Lightning heading into the series was that it seemed like everyone was beat up. Obviously, Braden Point was dealing with something. Yeah. Anthony Sorelli got hurt in that game six. Nikita Kucherov looked like he's getting banged up here and there, and it's just all stacking up and, and adding up for him. Like, they can't afford to lose many more players, even though they were able to get through some injuries against the New York Islanders. But if they keep up picking up injuries, they're going to lose the battle of attrition. And I think mm-hmm. Dallas, for as much – as they've played really physical teams Vegas is probably the most physical team in the league Colorado's a big physical team as well they don't seem to be as impacted by the wear and tear of this postseason grind Uh, maybe it's because they've gotten through you know they get through Vegas pretty fast and they've been able to shore things up a little bit but certainly the Lightning seem like the more injured team at the end of their third round uh, but they didn't look like that was really impacting them in this game I might not you know maybe you're I'm writing away so I'm not exactly paying attention of everything. Um, but it didn't seem like these guys were as banged up as they seemed at the end of their Islanders series. And I think that's probably an encouraging sign. That is an encouraging sign. They just, they didn't, I don't know if they looked banged up. Like Braden Point didn't seem like he was hobbling around or anything, but they just looked tired. And at this yeah. point in the, in the playoffs, it's more survival than it is anything. Like it's more, which team can kind of hang on the longest. Um, because not only is this, a, you know, the playoffs, but it's a condensed, it's pretty condensed schedule. And we're going to get a back-to-back coming up like we said which is going to really test the the fatigue levels of these teams I think that you know Dallas has been able to those four days like it comes back to it they matter so much they're just this it's a game of inches here when you have a little just a tiny advantage like that a tiny advantage of you know even though it's it's, it's not maybe pool weather right now being able to hang out by the pool or being able to just relax maybe play some video games in your room or, or you know watch Netflix or have a team bonding night or just have a beer something like that like it's those things matter when you know you're in the middle of this pressure cooker and you have been for months and you haven't you know been able to taste what the outside world is really like um tampa they they, they're just hobbling here like they really are they're they're a team that yes they might not look super beat up in the sense but they're just exhausted and nothing kind of wakes you up like going down one nothing in a stanley cup final i mean they this is going to really show if this team has kind of conquered those final demons that they said they had and be able to respond and show that they're not ready for their season to end. You're right. The paths of these teams do matter in the fact that the Islanders were able to take a few more bites out of the lightning yes. and that Thatcher Demko was able to deny the Vegas Golden Knights for two extra games and that, you know, Philip Grubauer went out early in that series, like every important moment, everything that could sway things in the direction of the Dallas Stars seems to have swayed in the direction of the Dallas Stars. And that's why they're up one nothing in the Stanley Cup final. 
Uh, we do have time for, for some news and notes. So uh, I think we've wrapped the game. I think we're good there. Mm-hmm. Think so. Okay, so let's let's move on to two major headlines, I guess, in the last twenty-four to thirty-six hours, I would say. First, we have Alex Petrangelo and the St. Louis Blues basically breaking off talks and Petrangelo confirming that he's going to be testing the free agent waters on October 9th, I believe it is. I guess just after the NHL draft, yes. uh, the free agent market is going to open and he's going to listen to teams because the St. Louis Blues apparently only want to offer him. million annually and the term apparently isn't you know we're not talking eight years here apparently they were a little firm on term they didn't want to give him a no trade they just wanted to they're they're trying to basically uh lowball Alex Petrangelo the guy who was the main figure or the second most important guy on their Stanley Cup run they're trying to lowball him and it looks like it's going to force him out the door this I have no idea what the St. Louis Blues are doing here they traded they traded for Justin Falk when they really didn't need to and they gave him 6.5 million dollars in extension when they didn't really need to and now that might squeeze their not just I would say their franchise face like Alex Petrangelo he's their captain he's their number one defenseman he's the guy who's going to be he's the guy who hoisted the Stanley Cup for them for the first time in 50 years or something like he is a staple of the St. Louis Blues and they're gonna and they're gonna they're nickel and diming him and they're not even like they apparently offered him a contract and wanted him to sign it without knowing what the actual breakdown of the contract was, which take away, take hockey away in general. You, you don't, that doesn't happen in any workplace. That doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. I don't understand why, like there are so many other players. If you're really going to be a hard ass about it, there's so many other players that you hardball. You don't hardball your captain like this in the middle of his prime playing probably the most coveted position in the sport as right, def- as right shot defenseman. He's your captain. You don't do that. You just don't. I don't understand. Yes, it's it's a flat cap. Yes, it's you know there's a pandemic and everything, and I know that that obviously is going to impact business and it's impacting a lot of teams and how they can spend. But this is the guy that you take care of, and then you figure everything else out after. This is the guy who you pay, and then you move Tyler Bozak and Alex Steen, or then or you just don't give Justin Falk that much money. Like it just it it, it boggles my mind the the decisions they've made and how willingly they've, they've spent on other players. And then when it comes down to arguably their most important player, the guy who's been in the league, been with them for, what, 12 years or something? And they're, they're going to, what, just show him out the door for no reason? They're going to try and squeeze him? This is not the guy you squeeze. Yeah, I mean, we heard the words disres- or the word disrespect uh, a few months ago, and it seems sort of, it seems sort of strange because, it, you know, obviously uh, they, they hadn't, gotten on the same page in terms of a deal and they've went out and got other defensemen like Scandella and Falk but yeah. it didn't seem like it had reached the point of disrespect like it seemed like they always wanted the Blues always wanted Petrangelo to be with them you know and they were just trying mm. to build out a really good D instead of you know just chasing one and 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 you know waiting for everything else to fill in because they were just going to give everything they could to Petrangelo and just you know, build the defense as they could afterwards. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that they tried to really improve their defense. I think they gave too much money to Falk, but improving the defense, they can't just wait around, right? So they got to do that. That didn't seem disrespectful for me, for me. But this is disrespectful. Seven point seven million dollars is disrespectful when you're Alex Petrangelo, even in a pandemic, and asking him to sign a contract without knowing the terms, whether it's bonus structure or you know, mo- no movement stuff, no trade. Uh, like it, it's, 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 it's asinine. Like it, it's completely crazy that you would treat your captain and the guy that helped you win a Stanley cup 
the only Stanley Cup in your franchise's mm-hmm. history, treating him like that only a year is ago, disrespect. Too. And Alex Petrangelo met, brought up disrespect months ago. And clearly he was right because there's com- easily or there's clearly some disrespect on the part of the St. Louis Blues in this negotiation. And I think that's what's going to, pre- what's going to prevent them to coming, from coming to an agreement because uh, Alex Petrangelo doesn't feel like he's been treated fairly. And, and because of that, he's going to go get treated like a king by whoever is going to give him the biggest money contract uh, come off October 9th. Absolutely. He's – I don't understand what they're doing here. Like, first of all, they're haggling over things that shouldn't be haggled over. Everyone's got a no movement clause. Jay Beagle has a no trade clause. You're really not going to give your captain one of the best defensemen in the league. I he's a what a top five, top three defenseman out there. Like he's, and you're going to especially at seven point seven. Like, yeah. If, if it was, you know, it, we can't give you everything, Petro. Maybe, yeah, maybe I get that, but you're not giving him anything. It's, I think, here's what I think happened. I think that the St. Louis Blues thought, first of all, his wife is from St. Louis. His family is rooted in St. Louis. It's the middle of the pandemic. He, he doesn't probably want to move. We get, let's see if we can squeeze everything out of him here in this very uncertain climate. And they, they messed up. Like, look, the, a lot of people have been pointing out that this is a negotiation ploy, probably. That this is, you know, some, like the fact that it's being, uh, that's being put out so far in advance of, of free agency is, is, you know, a way to put pressure on St. Louis and have fans kind of just tumble over, tumble over on, onto them and really force them to re-sign their franchise face. But I've never, I've never seen a free agent be this vocal about, about their contract negotiations. I've never been, I've never seen a free agent be this kind of outspoken. And a guy like Petrangelo who comes from a, a he comes from an era of players that don't really speak out that much, that are very team-focused. And he's the captain of the team, remember, um, who's kind of just reeling from playoff disappointment. And he's really – like, he, he confirmed to the Athletic, like, right away that he's, he's pissed, that, this, that yeah. he's, there being no progress in negotiations, that he's, he's, willing to, he's, he's willing to test the market. And, look, if, if, if the Blues are, are looking for him to – are looking at this and saying, oh, yeah, you know, he'll see what's out there, they don't come back. I think they're going to be sorely mistaken because, look, I, I, I'm, I, we're going to, from a Leafs perspective, I think the Leafs would trade half their roster to get this guy on, like, on the team. Like, it's, people will move heaven and earth to find a way to get Alex Petrangelo on their team. The Blues are really going to rue this day, I think. Okay, we've done the Leafs conversation with Petro, so I don't want to get too far into it, but does this change your opinion on, you know, whether it's Nylander, whether it's Marner, I mean, it's not going to be Matthews or Tavares, obviously, but making that big move to bring in Petrangelo, now that it seems like it's more, uh, more likely that it's, it's actually real that he might leave. I mean, you, you mentioned that it, it might just be posturing on his point, but I think it's PR on his point. I think he wants to show people that he's not the one that's being unreasonable and it's the Blues that are being unreasonable. Mm. And if they don't come to an agreement, it's because the Blues mistreated him and that he always wanted to be there. Uh, but b- basically St. Louis made it so he had to test free agency and go somewhere else. So back to the Leafs, uh, does, it, does it change your opinion on, you know, Nylander, Marner? What would have to happen for Petrangelo to sign a free agent contract with the Maple Leafs? Because there's obviously no room to meet his demands as it stands right now. He doesn't have to be one of those guys. I think Frederick Anderson's the perfect guy to move out for that. I mean, like he's $5 million. The Leafs, what they want to get back from it, uh, back for him is a draft pick or a low cost asset or something cheap and useful. Just like they're, they're clearly not going to be taking back a ton of salary in Frederick Anderson. I think he's, I think this solidifies that he's gone because he's the easiest salary to move, at least from a, from a cap, from a real life uh, money perspective, he's only making $1 million in 
right. real money next year. But also from a cap perspective, he'd free up five million. You know, but you got to bring another back. goalie. So that that cuts into that but five that, million right away, right? Yeah, but then but then you can figure out a way to to get that and get that for cheap. Like there's a there's a huge huge pot of goalies that are that are becoming available. Right. You don't have to go after the Mark Schirmer if if he hits the free agent market, which I don't think he will. The Lenners, uh, and also look. You already have Jack Campbell. If you have to kind of roll with, with Jack Campbell and, you know, have someone to play his 1B, but you have Alex Petrangelo, I think that really matters. Like, it's, it, it's dicey. You're going to have to make concessions no matter what. But I would make – there are very few players that I would make a concession like that for. But like we said on, on our last podcast, Alex Petrangelo fixes pretty much everything the Leafs need. He, fix, he gives them, you know, the, guy, the leadership and the guy who's been there, the right side balance, the defensive acumen, guy who can be on a power play too, a mentor for the younger defenseman, like just everything, everything from a from a locker room, from a a playoff, from a mentality, from an on ice perspective, he solves it. He's the puzzle piece where everything kind of falls in line, really, for their roster. And if you have to make a move like moving out of Frederick Anderson, or if you have to make concessions in rolling with you know a Jack Campbell and then maybe a goalie along his kind of, uh, I would say his quality at a lower cap it then you kind of have to do it because he's because you know how many opportunities are you gonna are you gonna have to add a stud like that to add a top you know what two or three defensemen onto your roster you you have to do it so i think this solidifies that anderson's not gonna be coming back he is the exact player that they need but the concessions would have to be uh pretty great pretty pretty (laughs) pretty vast to have petro John Tavares, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner taking up about 48 to $50 million just between them, leaving $30 million for about 18 other players. Uh, it's going to be tough to do, but uh, I, I feel like they're going to be in on the discussion. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do pull a John Tavares where he takes way less than market value, even though it's a lot of money, but way less than market value uh, to come over. It's possible. It, it might be possible. He was on that small list that that uh, got leaked, but I feel like, you know, that's an easy way to drum up some, some pressure on the St. Louis blues. And uh, I guess they didn't respond very well to that. It seems. No. And John Tavares and Petrangelo played together. They, they, they know what it's like. They've won world juniors together. They're uh, look, it, it, just, it, it's all it would be line. remarkable, but uh, I, I just don't think it can happen without either Nylander or Martyr being set up the door but we'll see we'll see we'll see I know we'll cross that bridge if we get there and if we do get there it's going to be a fascinating fascinating offseason for the Leafs when that offseason ends we don't really know but Gary Bettman did answer some questions about next season at his uh, at his press conference mm-hmm. his, his annual Stanley Cup press conference State of the Union. Uh, today I actually missed it but the most important you know I got the Coles notes yes. the most important thing was his take on the uh, when the season is going to resume or the next season is going to start rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was hoping for early December start still. And I think that was a little bit, I was a little bit relieved by that because I kind of assumed that he would be saying, uh, you know, we're aiming for early January now. And if it gets pushed to late January, then so be it. The fact that they're still targeting December means that it probably won't start in December 1st, at least, but maybe it starts uh, with at the more realistic time. I think that most people have targeted which is January 1st, uh, I came away a little bit encouraged uh, that they still have some hope that they can get this season started before the calendar turns to 2021. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the way that he was talking. Like, yes, Gary, you, you have to kind of take everything Gary Bettman says with a grain of salt. But I was really encouraged at how optimistic he was. I was really encouraged at how he was kind of speaking in a, 
he, he was making it very clear that these, these things were hypothetical. Like he was talking about, you know, the easing back of fans into buildings. And he was saying they might do that in a three-step, you know, kind of process of, you know, no one in and then some social distancing, then everything kind of back in capacity. And then he made sure to be like, oh, no, this is just, you know, this is just hypothetical. But I, I really like this. It seems like this is going to happen. And whether or not it comes down to a bubble or, or you know, travel, that will probably have a lot to do with the border. But I mean, look, hoping for an early December start, that's probably not going to happen. But the fact that that's the fact that that's being talked about right now is really encouraging. It's like, you know, when you have a friend that always is late. And so you always you have to set like an earlier time for them to show up to things just so you know that they're going to be there. Because you realize it's like, okay, so if, some, if the event starts at 1130, tell them, you know, it starts at 11 because they're going to show up at 1130 anyway. And at least they're going to be on time. It's kind of like that for the NHL season where Bedman is, is he's aiming pretty high with, with his, you know, his fake start. And if it ends up starting on December 25th or January 1st, that sounds pretty good. Like it's, it, this, is, this is about as good news as you could expect from, from a, someone who has to play his cards pretty close to the vest right now. Yeah, and it's going to be a short off season regardless. I mean, we're going to wrap up the Stanley Cup very soon here, but uh, it only leaves, you know, October, November, December. Yeah, that's three months, but they're going to be have to get into training camps in, you know, we're talking mid-November if they start on December 1st. And while that's not likely, it's probably more likely that it's January 1st. That means they're going to have to be in camp, you know, we're talking about the early December. So it's going to be a short off season regardless in, in terms of news. Maybe only November will be dark. So uh, that's good for people who cover hockey. It's people yes, who, it's good for us. It's good for people who are fans of hockey because hockey is going to stay relevant pretty much the entire year because, well, as uh, with the exception of these six months of, uh, of a pandemic, or I guess it was yeah. four months off. Um, but, it, it, you know, October is really going to be really fun. November is going to be dark, obviously, but it's short. We all got to get our vacation in. And then it looks like we're going to get going in December, whether it's just training camps or games. So uh, I have my fingers crossed that it starts January 1st. I think that would be a great date. And I would love to see if the borders don't open, that all Canadian division would be so, so fun mm -hmm. if they have to do that until, you know, the, the restrictions ease with, you know, uh, border travel and all that because if we just you know if we're just having Canada go head-to-head -head and and they actually have that division and it's seven Canadian teams fighting it out for postseason spots for next spring I think that would be probably the most entertaining um, hockey that we could possibly get a dream scenario for me if we see Canadian teams just going at it for months uh, months on end I think that would be so so much fun yeah that, that would be like answering sort of like bar like a bar argument but in real life yes it, yeah. it, it's great. It's like Thunderdome, but all Canadians. So the politest Thunderdome you could possibly have. I just don't understand. Like, I, I think, I think it's great how optimistic he was, but I don't think how, I don't know how realistic it is that a, he wants to have an 82 game season. Gary Batman wants to have an 82 game season. Mm -hmm. And he's also not a fan of the summer hockey. He wants to have the cup handed out by, you know, mid to, to late June. I mean, yeah, some, something's got to give, right? Exactly. Like it, it doesn't make sense. You can't have everything. You're not, and, and yes, we want, you know, it, it might be a condensed schedule, but it can't be that condensed. Like, it, no. like we, at a certain point, the human body is going to wear down if you're playing five games in a week. So one Tampa, of these- Tampa Bay is proof of that right now. Exactly, right? Like there, look at Tampa. Like it's, we're going to have, you know, 15 Tampas out there. It's, or 30. I don't know why I said 15. If, if we start January 1st and they play 70 games and we get, you know, done- the Stanley Cup playoffs by mid-July, I think that would be an amazing, you know, not the best case scenario, but a real win for the NHL if something like that were able to play out. I think and we got the Canadian division, that'd be awesome. Too. Exactly. I think that's the best 
that's the best case scenario in a realistic standpoint. Like, like right. we can talk about best case scenario is, oh, you know, there's a vaccine tomorrow and we all get to go back, you know, and, and everything is, is, you know, hunky dory. It's not going to happen that way. But I think being able to start January 1st, have the cup handed out, you know, mid July, and then have everyone have some sort of summer break and then start, you know, try and maybe condense the off season a bit and then start back on schedule in October for next year, uh, for the next season, not this one, but the next season, that would be, I think that would be the best realistic case scenario. And, and it's trending that way. It's exciting. If there's a vaccine tomorrow, I demand that games four and five of the Stanley cup final are not on a back-to-back and they yes. add an extra day in there because I don't really care about the NFL. I want to make sure that this championship series is played to the best that it can be. And I think a back-to-back is a crime, which we mentioned off the top, but it's going to happen regardless. And we're not getting that vaccine in time for the Stanley cup final to conclude. So uh, let's leave it there. Game one goes to the Dallas stars four one the final uh, aided by an empty netter, but still a pretty dominant victory for Dallas, who who was obviously the better team through two periods and then just rode out the third period, parked the bus as Anthony Stewart, I believe Anthony Stewart likes to say. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's it. It's game two goes Monday night. Tampa has to respond. Dallas is playing with another series lead and things are going to get pretty exciting if Tampa Bay can at least even the series because we know if Tampa, if Dallas gets that lead, uh, this thing might be over quick. So a lot of pressure on Tampa Bay, uh, but I think we both think they'll respond. So game two, Monday, we'll be back then. Mike, I'll let you uh, sign up. Bye.